The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. My name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina, the father to three teenagers, an engineer, and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. And I'm Michelle Frank. I'm an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm the mom to three girls. I'm a CPA, and I tried to do the intro four times and failed, so thank you, Eric, for doing such a great job right then. (laughs) And we are so excited because George is not here and we are in control of the podcast. Yeah, and we, we have... took over the Google Doc. We found our own guests. We've got our own interview lined up tonight. And we are super excited that George is stuck at home figuring out what shirt he's going to wear for his marathon on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> we have with us tonight a very special guest, a friend of mine, uh, strolling Jim recent uh sub five hour allison mercer allison thanks for coming on the podcast this is a dream come true i am very glad i did well in this race so i could finally be on this podcast yeah it took a while for me to get you on here but uh i think we finally succeeded so just want to give everybody a brief intro allison is a friend of mine an atlanta native um she ran in high school and went on to play 
ultimate Frisbee in college at Penn. She dabbled for a while as a recreational runner and got into marathoning in 2016, qualified for Boston, um, got more involved in the trail scene a few years later. And I believe, and we can ask her more about this, she met her husband through Strava Stocking, uh, has some FKTs these past few years, including the Georgia Loop and the entire Georgia section of the AT. Uh, she won the Chickamauga Marathon last year to become the Georgia State Marathon champion. And last but not least, as I just mentioned, um, she ran a sub five hour strolling gym this past weekend, finished uh, fifth place, second female to famous Camille Heron. And we are excited to have her here with us to learn a little bit more about her, but mostly do a strolling gym race recap. Welcome to the podcast, Allison. Can you give us a kind of background about your history as an athlete, um, particularly how someone growing up in Atlanta gets involved in ultimate Frisbee? <laughs> it's called having very little hand-eye coordination and not really being able to have a basketball and dribble or do anything. But um, yes, I grew up, I'm 5'9", so I thought, oh, I could play basketball. Nope couldn't do anything. So I did cross country, swimming and track all through high school. And then in college, I decided, well, what's something fun that's more easygoing? Ultimate Frisbee, still get that running endurance and have a good time and see different college campuses. And then after college, um, didn't have any real Frisbee experiences and starting a job in television um, doing any tournaments was pretty limited. So took up running and just kept on doing 5Ks. Decided to do marathons in 2015, 16. Um, enjoyed it, qualified for Boston, and then was like, man, I don't know if I really want to do this. <laughs> um, but then I switched jobs where I was able to actually train regularly and joined a group, a local running group here in Atlanta. And they encouraged me to do a uh, marathon in Huntsville, the uh, Rocket City Marathon, where I qualified for Boston and decided to do Boston. And after Boston, I was like, I want to try something different. Let's do trail running. And that's where I met my husband. And Fast forward, when 2020 happened, we set a bunch of FKTs, um, including Georgia Loop and the Georgia section of the Appalachian Trail, which was 75 miles, about 19,000 feet of uh, climbing. And so after that, um, when races are beginning to happen, he decided to sign me up at, for Valentine's Day for Strolling Gym, saying, uh, 5Ks, 10Ks, you're okay, but let's see what you got. And then fast forward to last weekend when you tow a line with Camille Heron and end up getting second by 10 minutes and go um, under five hours, which I became the third female in the 44 year race history to do so. And wear a coveted yellow uh, shirt, gold shirt. Yeah, so I want to back up a little bit. Um, you grew up in Atlanta, played ultimate Frisbee. You went to school at Penn, and then you came back to Atlanta. So did you start your running here? Yes. Um, once again, I was on the cross-country team in high school and liked running because anyone could do it and um, did okay. Um, and then, you know, still wanted to keep up just being active and what better way when you work in TV after college, um, you, you can do it at any time, just place a pair of shoes and go out the door. So I just took my iPod and just would run. So you went to high school in Atlanta. What, what high school did you go to? I went to Woodward. Okay. The Woodward Academy. <laughs> yes. Go War Eagles. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, Alice, uh, Allison, uh, Michelle didn't mention, I didn't say it either, but I, I grew up in East Cobb. So I was a Pope High School graduate, uh, ran for their cross country team. Um, but like you, it was just kind of what I did. It wasn't sort of my life until much, much later. So you loved Carrollton just as much as I did. Everybody hates Carrollton. <laughs> I love how we've had a lot of uh, recent native Atlantans on the podcast lately. 
Um, okay, so take us back to the to that first marathon. You were just running with a group, running recreationally, and what happened? Everybody's doing these long runs and you're joining in and you're like, oh, maybe I'll just sign up for a marathon because I just ran 20 miles or how did that happen? So um, my dad is from Boston. So I would go up to Boston a lot, see the Boston marathon signs and everything and always was like, well, that would be cool. But like 26 miles, like no way. So um, when a friend was kind of like, hey, I'm doing the Savannah marathon, um, you should do it. If you can do a 20 long, a mile long run, just join with me on some runs and you know, why not? Like it's close by, you don't have to travel far. And so we go to do the race and it was actually canceled midway. Um, they ran out of water and then, um, it was also delayed just from heat and fog. So they gave us a voucher to run any marathon, um, within the next like six months. So I had to redeem myself. I was like, I got to do it. I made it through about 23 miles of the race. So I was like, all right. So ended up doing the New Orleans marathon, got under the Boston qualifying time by like 15 seconds. And I was like, never again. That was painful. <laughs> My IT band. I mean, it was, yeah. I was like, all right, I've done that. All right, never again. So I can, uh, one of my claims to fame is that I've never run a marathon. I've run the marathon distance multiple times. In fact, uh, I've run hundreds and fifties and 50 Ks, but I've never run a marathon. And I have a feeling that if I were to do it, I would have the exact same reaction that you just mentioned. Cause, uh, I'm, 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 I would, I would run myself into the ground. Oh, it was horrible. I mean, in New Orleans, I was wearing pants. I had no idea what I was doing. Oh um, I mean, like, it was, so, and I, I, like, my IT was so just messed up that I went to one aid station or one little med tent and literally was like, hey, do you guys have, like, been gay or something? I need to, I, I like, literally dropped my pants and around a corner and just applied because I was like, I need to finish this, but I... And I also had my iPod, but then it died and I was with a certain group, pace group, and then they went ahead. It was just anything you're not supposed to do, I probably did during that race. Had new gels, had, I mean. That sounds like a pretty typical marathon rookie story right there. Yep. Um, so you were never running another marathon, but you qualified for Boston and what happened? Just couldn't turn that opportunity down or? So I actually ended up not even registering. I was like, no, I am not doing this. No way. Um, at the time, working, I was working in television. So there was also no time. This was in February. So I had March Madness. We were doing baseball. We were doing NBA playoffs. So I was like, when am I ever going to train and run? It was hard enough going from Savannah to New Orleans and doing a lot of treadmill runs and just trying to fit in something. And then after I switched jobs where I was working from home and then started running with other people, I was like, oh, I can have a schedule. Oh, this is what it is to have a training plan. It was just like a light went off. And I was like, oh, this is what it's like. And just learning more about what, how to train and what to do. So I decided to give it another go um, and qualified at Rocket City. I think it was um, 2017, but it was missed the window. So I ran Boston in 2019 when it had decent weather. So I was very happy, very lucky. So when you prepared for Boston in 2019 and you used a training plan or you used a training plan for Rocket City, were you coached then or were you still kind of just figuring it out on your own? So I, for Rocket City, I just used a friend's plan and literally just whatever they were doing that weekend, I was like, Hey, what's up? What are you doing? All right, we're doing this. Okay. I'll make sure to bring enough gels. And then with Boston, I kind of wanted to get, I guess, more serious and actually show up. So I had a coach do workouts and the rest was just active recovery. So it was just every Tuesday, every Saturday, it was like, all right, what are we going to do? And spend a lot of time on the roads and just uh, focusing on, on Boston. 
wait, let me just clarify what you just said. It was like a workout and a long run, and then everything else was active recovery? Mm-hmm. So were you doing like 40 miles a week, or was this like 25 miles a week? Or uh, I have no idea, because I, I mean, I don't think I was on Strava, so I couldn't be as like number, but I would stay around there because I would um, do spin classes and swim. I mean, I would still probably run four to five times a week, but I was right. also like biking, lifting, doing all the fun things you did like pre-pandemic. <laughs> that is so true. Um, okay, so 2019, training for Boston. Maybe you were on Strava, maybe you weren't, but you were also getting into the trail scene. So tell us a little bit about that and kind of how you made your way to Strava. And I'm not promoting Strava. I'm just trying to build a story oh, yeah. here about how you met your <laughs> husband. <laughs> so, yeah, well, one thing I, oh yeah, I, brain, my brain just doesn't work. One thing I did, and I do not recommend this at all, is a month after I did Boston, I did a 50K in Asheville called Quest for the Crest. And it was about 35 miles and 10,000 feet of climbing. You're going Mount Mitchell. You do, they say it's three climbs. Well, these climbs, obviously to total 10,000 feet of climbing, um, it's a lot. And to do it off of Boston training, not a good idea. <laughs> so um, I had, you know, done some trails, especially around in Atlanta area, um, help with some friends that were training for other trail races and um, really like the trails really pretty. I mean, I fall a lot. So my knees are probably just scarred and I mean, I, it just happens, but it's just easy. It's easier on the joints and it really helped build strength for me. Um, and just doing something different. Um, actually the first time I ever ran on the trails at Kennesaw mountain was a Tinder date. And the guy was like, hey, you're a fast runner. You should try trails. And I mean, it, the date didn't go off so well. But like, I was like, hey, like we could run sometime. So, um, but yeah, but then um, I would run every Thursday with the trail group. And one day they were telling me about this guy, Ben, who um, set an FKT, a fastest known time for the Georgia loop. And I was like, oh. That sounds cool. No idea about FKT's fastest known times or what the Georgia loop was or anything, but I like looked it up because I'm a nerd. I love running. I love anything that's competition and was like, wow, he's really cool. Like, sure. And then I went about my way. And then um, after Boston, he actually gave me kudos and started following me, Ben did. And then I followed him back, <laughs> gave him kudos on his run. And then um, all of a sudden he started following me on Instagram and I would send messages. And I was just like, hey, do you want to run sometime? I had no idea. Like he could have been married. I had no idea what his story was. Um, but my friends like approved of him. So I was like, hey, why not? So we went on a run at Unicoi Gap. Um, I didn't die or fall, which was very key. I was very nervous and yeah, the rest was history. So. Wow. There is so much to unpack in the you know, <laughs> two minutes you were just talking. And I know Michelle really wants to talk about the, 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 the Strava story about yes. me, meeting Ben. <laughs> I, I, I had a couple of questions. So uh, I have a, I have a daughter and she's, she's into ultra marathons. She's actually, preparing for the keys hundred which is um not next weekend but the weekend after so we're, we're traveling down for that but the um the thing you mentioned falling a lot and i just is this a because of a and don't take this the wrong way i, I find that people fall because they're not paying attention um they're just uncoordinated or possibly and this is my daughter's issue is she runs on her toes so her toes are always down and that just causes you to catch things so where do you fall in that, in those three buckets? I know where um, she falls. Well, first, <laughs> I know all about Grace. I listen to the podcast all the time. I feel okay. like I know you. It's just like, I feel like podcasts are sitcoms and you know, you're, 
you know the characters, you know everything. So we're best friends. Come on. Um, okay, great. Paris' <laughs> <laughs> social relationship is very strong here. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, um, but for me, it's not paying attention. I'm a talker. I look at everything. You say squirrel, whatever, and then boom, I fall. Or I just get really heated in a conversation and I fall. Or I'm just going too hard on you know, a long run. And then that's when I catch something, but I also am on my toes a lot. So, um, I do catch things and I don't lift my feet up. It just, you know, your quads are tired and everything. So I tend to catch things. So it's all of the above. Um, so yeah. And I'm just a klutz. Like I fell over, I rolled my ankle two weeks ago on a curb. So it's just me. Okay, so the second piece of that is when you fall, like there are mm-hmm. graceful fallers. And, you know, like when I fall, I may end up a few feet off the trail, but I kind of tumble and then I, I'm able to get back up on my feet. Um, Grace is more of a Superman faller. Like she will like face first, arms out. And that's how she gets like those scars on her knees and stuff. And it sounds to me like you're kind of the, you're just, you're gonna fall flat on your face. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, if there was a judge, I would get nothing for artistic merit. Like, literally, <laughs> I would have to give points back. Um, but yeah, I usually roll. So I will get my shoulder and the side of my body yeah. um, when I fall. Um, it just depends. But yeah, the knees usually get the brunt. And that's usually how I judge a fall. I just do a knee check. And if the knees are okay, we keep going. But um yeah, it just, but I also, the uh, um, couple months ago, got a black eye because I hit a branch and tipped a tooth. So, I mean, I go big when it comes go, to go big or go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allison Mercer on running. <laughs> yes, do not do anything, do not do this at home. Um, but yeah, like literally had blood down my um, face. Like we were going down, it was at Kennesaw people were looking at me and then I had a race over late. It was around labor day. We did a 10 K and everyone's looking at me. They're looking at Ben, my husband. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It wasn't him. (laughs) It was me. And luckily we had another person there and he's like, see, you were a witness. This did not happen. This and anyone that knows me knows. All right. She probably did it some stupid way. And it was also a month after my sister's wedding. So my parents got a good laugh at that and said, hey, at least it's after the wedding and the photos were already taken. Exactly. That is so true. Um, <laughs> okay, so somewhere along the way, you go from recreational runner to marathoner to ultra marathoner, um, setting FKTs. And I know you as a person, you're very humble, but at some point you realize you're not only maybe competitive on an age group level, but you're pretty fast and you're just getting faster, you know, no matter what the distance is, no matter whether it's road or trail. What was that like for you when you realized, you know, you could really run at a level that you could win and you could win pretty big? I mean, to be honest, I don't, like I still think of myself as the kid that like gets picked last in dodgeball and just is like, oh, I just like to run. So, I mean, honestly, it takes someone like my husband that is always pushing me and just saying, you can do this and having someone that believes in you. Um, I mean, now, especially after last weekend and, and hearing these things and, and doing well in races, I'm like, oh, I can. And just having that belief. But honestly, it takes other people encouraging you and believing in you and supporting you to really achieve the goals and, and knowing I, you know, I can do it. And and having a good training plan and hitting those workouts and knowing, hey, I did this. I can do this. I, during the race, I literally was saying to myself, I can do hard things. I can do hard things, which is like so lame, but it just helps so much. And anytime I hear someone else say that, I was like, come on. But it really does work and just keeping your mind positive. I so think that's when- huge. That that is something that you know. I I coach a few runners, and especially with with Grace, it's it's 
in the middle of a you know hundred mile run you're at seventy five and you're just completely destroyed and the I think sometimes it's just remembering what you did to get there. You know, I have done hard things, so I can do hard things. So I really love mantras like that. I can do hard things. I can do hard things. And, you know, keeps you in the moment, keeps you out of thinking, well, what what's going to happen in an hour or what just happened? You know, you know, I just I just got up off the ground. My knees are skinned up or whatever. It's, it keeps you in the moment, you know, so I really I just love mantras like that. They They do sound cheesy 100%, but they work. I think they work. Oh, it definitely helped keep me going, especially uphill when it got hot and just believing in myself and knowing that I can do it and that I deserve to be there. Because um, I remember some races starting behind, um, you know, other runners at the start um, corral, not thinking I belonged. And it's like, no, I belong. I deserve to be up there just as much as anyone else. And having the courage to toe the line next to someone like Camille Heron and knowing I deserve to be there. So it just takes a lot of people and also just being there and, and looking back and, and saying, you can do this. So let's talk a little bit about the buildup to, to Strolling Gym. You mentioned um, at the beginning that you received the entry to the race as a Valentine's Day gift from your husband. Is that right? Yes. And I was just like, yeah, it was, um, Rose, he said, roses are red, uh, violets are blue. Um, strolling gym is tough, but so are you. And I was just like, or something, it rhymed. It was much more creative than that. And I was just like, well, I better get to training. And so, um, one of the local, um, runners around here, Janice Anderson, who has a multi-time winner of strolling gym holds several records um is an amazing trail runner overall runner um also coaches so i was like well what better way to have someone that knows the course knows the distance knows the atlanta area and where to train and be able to really have a focus because i had never done 40 miles on the road done it on the trail but to be running it and knowing how to prepare for it is very um just a crazy thing to fathom and also balancing um a job i'm a project manager now for amazon so it's you know always busy but it's nice that i can have a balance of when am i going to run long runs what to do and kind of have a set plan and schedule yeah, I'll say from where I sit, when you told us that you were running Strolling Gym, it was like, oh, okay. When you told us that you would hire Janice to coach you, it was like, oh, shit, she's going to really try to race this. <laughs> um, so did you know Janice before or, you know, was it just, I mean, she's a clear, you know, favorite, obviously, for a coach for this type of race. But did you know her before? Did somebody make that intro or how did you end up working with her? So she coaches a couple of my friends and I've only actually met her on Zoom. Um, we did a four by four by, or four by 40, whatever, four by 48 challenge, um, the Goggins challenge. And we would all do Zoom after each one back like in 2020. So that was the only time I knew her. So um, I was like, well, I, I wanna learn from the best and so Hopefully now, now that my training's done, we'll go for a run now before she goes off to her races. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was very intimidating to ask her and I was like, no, but we talk all the time. She was so encouraging, supportive. Anytime I had any issues or how I should plan or where I should do a run or how I should prepare for it, she was, you know, so great about everything. So that leads, so I love hearing about coaches and I, I love hearing runners talk about their coaches. And one thing that I, I'm always trying to find is, you know, the new, or not, I shouldn't say the new, a, a better way or a more interesting way, maybe from the runner's perspective to train. So if you look back on your, your build up to strolling gym and, and the, the workouts that you did, 
are there are there a couple that were like say maybe the most interesting or the hardest but you felt like you accomplished and maybe helped you with that mantra i can do hard things is there anything that like sticks out in your mind in the build-up oh definitely um there would be some long runs where i would do not only marathon pace but um but goal strolling gym pace like we had a google doc where it would have each workout every day so it's nice to know every day what i was doing and so i would do um six miles at you know strolling gym pace six easy then six back at strolling gym pace and Atlanta area you're never short of hills so <laughs> so to do it in a very and just find every hill and no, I was nailing the times, nailing the workout, nailing the nutrition and just practicing carrying a bottle. Um, what I did is I just would put a bottle in a um, waist belt instead of carrying a handheld. That way I didn't feel like I was favoring one side and just practicing everything and just remembering what I ate when I did it and just knowing, all right, I did this in this amount of gain and, and crushed it. So is that felt your... good the next day? That was the other thing. Yeah. Knowing that I could recover quick from it. Is that your mentality of being very organized and detailed? Or was that your coach bringing that in and, and teaching you that those things are important and those little things add up to something big? Um, it depends what, but yeah, I'd like to have a plan. I like to have a schedule. I like to know what I'm getting myself into just so I can feel prepared and be proactive. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the history of Sterling Gym. I want you to tell us a little bit about it, but more than that, a few days before the race, you know, when you were kind of ready and in the zone, an email from the race director went out that Camille Heron was a late entry into the race. And if it's not already clear from what we've said before, you were you were going there to win, at least win for the females. So what did that feel like when when you read that email? I mean, I know what it felt like because we were texting <laughs> and I saw it pop up in, in a feed also, but can you take us through a little bit of, of, you know, kind of the emotions of just, I guess, reimagining what race day would look like? Oh my gosh. Well, the other thing is with strolling gym, there was a $3,000 kind of um, prize money if you set the course record. So I was aiming for the course record and it actually, for the men's side, fell last year with Zach Beaven. And I also texted him a bunch. Um, he helped me with plan strategy, um, where to set up a crew, um, everything. Like once again, I was taking any information, any beta I could because this course, is um i guess we're going to the history of the course it's just 41 miles of there's highway there's country roads and there's no cones it's not like you're divided off like normal 5ks 10ks whatever um you're on your own like you know there's not really a lot of shoulder there's no sidewalk there's spray paint of where to go and mile markers so you really have to know and you see an aid station, there's some, maybe some water jugs, there may be something in someone's front yard, but if you want to do well, you need to have a crew. So just doing all the prep work for that to know, all right, if I want to succeed, if I want this course record, I need to be so dialed in. So I'm like gung ho, let's do this. Let's go. Um, I also talked to Harvey Lewis a lot about it, um, who did the course last year and he was going for the same time so I was like great I have someone to run with perfect and I always wondered in the back of my head after Camille Heron's success at Comrades I mean everything 100 miles jackpot you name it I mean she JFK 50 I mean she's a beast and then all of a sudden to get that email Thursday two days before the race that hey you're gonna be racing against Camille I was just like I, there were a lot of curse words, a lot of, a lot of curse words. Like there go my chances. What am I going to do? Um, but it's like, I just thought just run your race, you know, she could do it and she could think, Oh, you know, it's an easy race. Like it can't be that bad. Um, whatever. And then, or something could happen with her hip or she may say it's too close to Western. I may drop like 
so many things could happen. I just needed to run my race. And that's what everyone said. And I'm like, I know I need to run my race. That's what I'm planning doing. But, you know, it's, I still have to go next to this woman that is incredible. But it goes back to what you said about believing in yourself and just saying, I can do this too. So, so but you're also, standing, but, but, but when you're standing, towing the line and in the picture, so Michelle stalked you for, you know, photo stock, and she's got a picture that she shared with us on our Google doc for this. Mm-hmm. I got to say, you look scared and you're not on the line. You're standing behind the line and Camille's toe is on the line. On the like, line. like, is, is that, is that an accurate depiction of how you felt or is that just kind of how it was? Is that, are you just game face and you had convinced yourself this is going to work? I was just like, let's go. Let's, let's see okay. what, what, what happens. But yeah, I mean, you're definitely apprehensive. Like once again, this was a new distance. This was who knows what's going to happen. And I mean, all the, you know, so yeah, there was definitely some fear. There was some focus. There was, there was all the feels. Okay. All the feels. <laughs> um, so what was the race plan? I want to obviously talk everything you want to share about the race, but what was the plan going in? So um, we went up Friday just to tour the course. So I knew the turns could see what I'm in for, especially the hills and the walls. So um, we drive the course. I see the hills. I see, okay, at mile 20, I'm going to need, you know, this is this hill, you know, mile 30, I'm almost there. And then just practice the up and downs um, and just kind of mentally zone in. And I think Ben was doing it as where he can you turn off for aid because once again, these shoulders are very narrow where he didn't want to end up flipping the car and then there goes any aid and there goes the car. Um, (laughs) So it was good just to get that and know what I'm in for and know how to plan because the beginning of the race, the first 10 miles are pretty downhill, pretty rolling. It's, I I say it's easy, but it's still, you know, it's, it's not. And then you get to the first hill and then it's, and then you cross over a highway and then you go over to the second part where it's more rolling. You get a huge climb mile 20, another one at 26. And then by mile 30, you have a climb, but then you hit the walls where it's just rolling. It's open. And you're just like, all right, I got 10 miles left. And it keeps rolling. And then the last two miles, you turn onto the highway that leads you back to the finish line. And so you really have to plan well where you're not giving everything out in the first half, where by the time you hit the rolling hills, you're just dead and your quads are destroyed. So it is very methodical. And in the beginning, um, a couple guys were talking to me and I'm just like, I don't really want to talk to you. <laughs> I <don't wanna> talk <laughs> and it's, it's so hard because they're, t- oh, what do you do? What do you, you know, is it your first time? And I'm just like, no, no we don't want to hear it. <laughs> But it was interesting because it, it was a half marathon point and I see Laz there because it is a Lazarus Lake, the Barkley guy um, race. And he's there, flannel, cigarette, everything. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And he's reading off bibs and they're giving off splits. I didn't realize it because everyone's asking me, oh, are they doing tracking? I'm like, no, this is not your average race. Like, <laughs> no there's no live stream. It's not like Coca Dono where you can get like tracking marks or whatever. Um, and I see him and then I hit the marathon. I see him again and he says my name. And I'm just like, oh my God, he sees my name. 50K, same thing. Like I have no idea my times. I'm looking a little bit. Um, and then I realized that by 50K that I have a chance um, of being um, sub five at first, like mile 13, I was just like, there's no way I just want to complete this. What am I doing? I still have a marathon left. Okay, and then hold, you on. Get to, uh, hold on a second. Oh. So when you're at mile 13 and you're thinking there's no way, 
what are you basing that off of? Are you reading on your watch? Do you know your pace per mile? Did you know what you were supposed to hit by that mile marker? Because that's pretty early in the race to throw the goal out the window when you have <laughs> uh, 27 plus miles left. I mean, I was just going through the first hill and I'm just like, can I do this? I, I mean, you're just, it's just a lot. And then I'm just like, all right, just keep going through, drink, drink your octane and just keep going and just, you know, it will pass. And then I hit a flatter part. I keep a rhythm and I'm looking at my splits and I'm like, okay, we're doing fine. Um, obviously, um, Camille had taken off, um, and, and Harvey had two and someone was like, oh, you're a minute ahead or a minute behind, two minutes behind. So I knew I was like close by, but I was just like, oh my gosh. But after passing every hill, I was like, all right, I went through another hill. I could do this. And by the time I hit 20, I was like, all right, you know, 20, all right, 19. And also it goes back to the workout where I would do days where I would do 25 in one day and then 12 the next day which it helped because I was like, all right, I can do 25. All right, I can do 12. So just, there was a lot of negotiating in my head. <laughs> and um, so, and then I started seeing the splits. I started doing math and I was, and which is very difficult to do in a race. Um, and I was just like, all right, I hit the 50K split. And also seeing Laz still there, I was like, well, if he still is there, it means the leaders aren't too far ahead. And he actually is like noticing and I'm probably doing okay. And then he's starting cheering for me. And I'm just like, you know, how does he know my name? Obviously, I, I guess I'm doing okay. And then I was just keep on pushing. I was like, don't let him down. Don't, don't think he's, you know, you're wimping out. Don't think that you, you started off too fast. So I was just like, all right, keep going, keep going. But I mean, by mile 35, my abductors, my lower back, like everything was hurting. And I was just like, take another gel, just eating. Like one thing I can say is my nutrition was very on point, which not a lot of the runners can say, but constantly drinking, um, constantly having a bottle, just literally stuffing whatever I could and just keep on going. And by that point, I was seeing a lot of the marathoners because in the last few years, you can have 10K, half, and marathon people um, doing the race, not just the 41 miles. So it was fun to kind of pick people off. Um, but it was just, and I would see them in a distance and also see at what side they were on. So the other thing about, people talk about runner math and what distance and, and counting down miles but tangents are so huge. And one thing I learned is when I was on the highway of which side to be on, just so I could be closest and it would be less, I guess, less distance of where to go. And especially with how rolling and how curvy the race was. So yeah, there are a lot of emotions. And I was yelling at my husband because he would be like, hey, do you need this? And I'm like, yes, give it to me. And his parents were also crewing too. And I'm like, they probably, I mean, they've crewed us for everything. So they've seen this sign. But um, I would just have Ben hand me a bottle, spray me with water, and just, I would go on. And he just knew by like mile 35, he was like, she's ready to be done. And, and he was nervous as, oh, he was nervous that I wouldn't get under because I was really like towing that line. But he knew, he was like, oh, she's going to see it. And she's just going to go for it. So along those lines, I I just looked up Strolling Jim and the women's record was four forty four, almost four forty five. And mm -hmm. that so that was your goal to to beat, or at least you started out with that. On the day mm -hmm. of the race, were you still looking to get under four forty four or under four forty five? Yeah. So it sounds like, as you described the race, that there were tough points, but it was still going well, and you felt like you were doing well, but you, you're off that pace. So can you kind of talk through that? Like, did, had you, did you, was the course harder than you expected? Was it, you know, what was, what was making you okay to be off that pace? Because a lot of runners, they get out there, and they start falling off the pace, and everything falls apart. You know, the, the mentality just destroys the whole thing, but it sounds to me like, you were okay with it and you just kept, you just kept going. Um, I think knowing that it, with Camille ahead, 
it was just like, all right, well, she's ahead, you know, let her do her thing. Just focus on you. And I think I was just okay with just completing it and saying I can do hard things and accomplish something. Even if it wasn't a record, it was like, all right, you're doing something really hard and you just want to do well and not fail and not finish. Like you feel good. You're doing the best you can. And that's all you can do. Is there a lot of things during the race I would have done different? 100%. But that's, that's racing. That's just why we do it. And, um, but yeah, I mean, at, after that, the goal was just sub five and, and being able to say I could go under five and, and have that accomplishment. Sounds like you have a very healthy mentality of you, at least in this race, you showed a very healthy mentality of kind of not, not getting too caught up in the time, not getting caught up in, you know, like you said, it fail, failure is not, not meeting a goal failure in your case was not finishing. So, okay. Finishing is good. And then everything above that is, is kind of gravy or it's icing on the cake. Oh, for sure. I mean, I had, you know, it's tough to put expectations on something you've never done. And it's kind of where you're scared because it's unknown. I'm a person I like to control a lot of things. And when a lot of things are out of your control, what can you can control? You can control your attitude and control your pace. I mean, I wasn't even thinking about the record. And at one point I was just like, well, if I do, you know, walk and do this, I could still get a blue shirt. I can still do this and I can still do this. And I remember people, when I told them I was doing strolling gym, they're like, oh, you're going for, you know, sub six hours. And I'm like, no, like, no, I go bigger. I go home. Like, let's, you know, why not? Like what? And the thing is, what do I have to lose? Like what, yeah. you know? So, you know, I was just, I, I didn't really look at my watch a whole lot just because I was scared of what was happening. And I just felt in control and also doing the pieces so many times I knew what it felt like. Mm-hmm. And, um, and knowing, you know, and, and what I talked about was where to push and where not to push. Like, don't overdo the hills. Don't let the hills get you have enough at the end where, um, you know, and reading Laz's report, like literally doing everything I could in those last two miles. If I had gone too hard earlier, I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have been able to close. I wouldn't have been able to have the forethought of going to a certain side, you know? So it's, it's such a fine line when you also look back at a race and you're like, Oh, I should have done this there. I should have done that. And it's like, well, if I had pushed too hard, wouldn't I have been able, would I have paid for it? Right. Right. It's really easy to armchair quarterback a a race. Monday mornings. Yeah. Monday morning. (laughs) So Allison, you're one of only three women to ever go uh, under five hours in this uh, storied history of the race. When did you know you had that sub five hour finish? When did you realize, were you at the finish line? Was it at 35? Well, um, so when I turned and I had two miles left, I looked at my watch and it said 442. And I was like, all right, I can do two miles in 18 minutes. Like I, like, I couldn't really move my legs. Like I tried to do back <laughs> kicks to try and loosen things up. Like I, there was, it was just like, whatever you got, like, I'm going to be resting for a week. Like, I have all this time off. Like you have so much time. Just give it everything. Like just give it hell, like whatever you have. And that's what I did. Like, and also knowing I knew the course and knowing, all right, you see the war trace sign, you're almost there and seeing the finish and knowing. And I also saw Ben in the distance. Um, So I just went for it. And so I had a pretty good idea, but not until I crossed the finish line, I saw 456. Um, I just lost it. I was just like, oh my gosh, I did it. Like what? <laughs> but the other thing about Camille, it was really cool to see more women doing it and more women a part of it because it was cool to know that before this year, only one woman had ever done, um, gone under sub five and this year too. And one person that absolutely was just so excited about it was Laz. 
he went to Ben and he was just like, two women could go under sub five. This is amazing. And for him to get to know me and know my name and write a report, like that just speaks volumes about him and the love of the race and the pride that he has in encouraging other women to say, all right, we can do this. We can go after it. That's awesome. So I, I want to see Grace do it. Yeah, I, I, I was, I'm looking at this and I'm trying to figure out the timing of this one. Um, while she's in college, this one will be tough. <laughs> okay. Yeah, trying to get the, the training in and then get to get out there. I did notice on the uh, top performances, uh, you do share, um, you do now share that list with your coach that led you up to this, right? Oh, yeah. And they also have, um, and being a nerd and loving stats, they give out a runner guide that gives you the history of the race, winners, how many have gold jackets, how many records. And literally her, her name is all over. And they even make a note <laughs> in 1994, Janice did not show up because she was getting married that weekend. So it's so cool. And I also was telling her, I was like, well, I want to, you know, be right for your name and, and make you proud. And she's like, oh, you did that. And then some. So it, it's a lot. And also um, one of my good friends, Jill, um, did really well the race so it was nice to have these be in company with such amazing women yeah that's pretty cool one thing i did notice too michelle is janice is a uh, multi-time runner of mountain mist a race that we are she probably has 20 finishes how many finishes does she have there i don't know i didn't count i mean janice is like the real 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 deal like, well, so, I don't know her at all, but I know she's a total badass. <laughs> I was just oh, wondering yeah. if, if Allison might, you know, toe the line with us next year at Mountain Mist. Uh, she's coming. It's on her list, and she keeps <laughs> missing it every year. And yeah, she I know. knows that it's an event next year, so. So let's oh. get her on the podcast to say, what do, you, what do you think, Allison? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, after talking to Corey, too, about it, and, you know, I, Hey, trust me, I've heard all about Mountain Mist and David Riddle, and I know the history of it. I want to do all of the Chiha Mountain Mist. Oh, don't worry. It's, I forget what I was doing. I think it was because it was training. I forget why I didn't do it this year, but it's definitely on the list. And I feel like it's a rite of passage of any trail runner in the South. Oh, it's a rite of passage. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're excited for you and George to race up front at, at Mountain Mist, but I want to back up a second because there's a lot of controversial stuff about, you know, Laz Lake and Barkley marathons over the past few years, but it sounds like you had, you know, almost like a personal experience with him throughout the race at the mile markers and then at the finish. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what, what that was like and if you had any anticipation um, that he'd be invested in you as a person and in your race and kind of the aftermath of that just for you on an emotional level? Oh, 100%. Like, I was very apprehensive, especially hearing about everything in 2020. And everything that goes on, you see how selective Barkley is, um, and whatnot. And so I was just like, uh, like, is it okay to be supporting because you always hear of controversial race directors in several different um, trail races. So it's like, is it okay to support? And you know, everyone's talking to him Friday night when we're there. I pack a pickup and I'm just like, whatever, you know, do my thing. And yeah, I mean, I was at first, I was just like, I want to prove to him women can do things, you know, just because they haven't finished Barkley, like we can do tough things. And it was kind of motivating to be like, I want to prove him wrong. I want to show him women can do things like, yes, let's do it. And, um, yeah, for him to like know my name and get to know, talk to Ben for a while. It was funny, actually, at one point he goes to Ben and goes, does she know that I'm affiliated with the race? Does she know who I am? Because <laughs> I got to a point, like at first I was joking, like, oh, this is easy, like whatever. And I kind of dialed in and kind of got really focused where I was just like, hey, bye. And then he would drive around too. Like he would literally stick his thumb out and like kind of cheer on other runners and talk to anyone. And for a race director to be out there 
and just cheering people on. I mean, how many do that? How many are able to? And so I was blown away. And Ben is also very harsh judge of character. And for him to be like, yeah, he wanted to know everything about you, who you were, like where, you know, because I guess I was kind of like the underdog, you know, people see Camille and, you know, they don't know, like, I'm not coming in going, hey, I'm going to dominate this race. So I think he appreciated someone that just came out and grinded, never done the race um, and wanted to go for it. That's awesome. Um, I think that I'm glad you asked that question, Michelle, because we we sort of I think a lot of us have this like he's like this evil spirit of ultra running, yeah. you know, out there. And it's it's he's he's ruining the sport with the Barkley mm-hmm. marathons that I would say that there's a camp of ultra runners who feel like that, like that's not really racing. That's just and we've had conversations about this sometimes. And as you were telling the story, I was like, that's not the person that I have in my head and it sounds to me like you really did have a connection and you really you know he was encouraging and maybe you know maybe we're all wrong about this or not we're all wrong but i don't know if we're all wrong but i i mean i feel like you know either personally or a fan of the sport and a fan of allison's you know allison's performance at sterling gym is not getting near enough attention that i think it should and i think a huge reason for that is because it's one of laz's races And I think there's just a lot of ultra running media outlets, you know, people who really focus on women and running fast women newsletter. And they just, they're not talking about what a historic performance this past weekend was just because it's his race. Um, And, you know, Camille brings her own, I guess, highlights and attention to the race, but it's a little disappointing. You know, I feel like Allison's just not getting enough credit, but also that we, we've almost criminalized him. I'm not saying that I agree with him in all of the past, but you know, it is nice to hear at least Allison's experience with him. Like he's just a person and he's doing this for the love of the runners and nobody would be strolling Jim if if it weren't for him putting on the race. (laughs) So, yeah. And also it's like, with Barkley and Biggs, it's not like he's making a ton of money. He's profiting, right. whatever. Like when he did the virtual race across America, he donated $200,000 to Feed America. Like, you know, I don't think, you know, we always kind of make uh, people out to be bad. And it's like, well, they also do a lot of good. I mean, sure, there are things that he did wrong, but I feel like not telling the stories of Strolling Jim of women doing well in trail races, a woman winning a race outright, sure. you know, it, it does a disservice. It, it does a disservice for women runners, for women that want to go after things, because we're not saying, hey, look at these women that are doing things, making it an example. And because I also was looking, because I was very curious about why aren't there are more women doing sub fives, like more than capable. And I even saw that there was like 45 women entered in the 40 miler versus like 160 men. And I'm just like, that's, it's a shame because, you know, women can, (laughs) we can go through a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. We go through labor, like we could do, you know, trail running and to not tell the stories of women excelling and women doing well, like to have two women and I wonder how many times at Strolling Gym do you have two women in the top four? I doubt. Yeah, it's amazing. It's historic. I mean, I really, I, I believe that deeply. <laughs> I think it shows a lot of your, your, your awareness too that so few women are running it. The, the leaderboard isn't sub five for, for three runners because there's only three women capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's linked to this possible attitude towards the race. So let's, let's, let's lower that or get that out of the conversation and then just go kick ass at strolling gym. Right. And I think that's pretty cool. You're, you're a, um, you're a vanguard here, Allison. Uh, I'm, I'm loving that. You're the vanguard for this. So, mm-hmm. so I, I do have to ask a question. Um, we are, if there's anything that we're geeks about uh, on the most pleasant exhaustion, it's the tech. And usually it comes down to the shoes. 
and you see people wearing Nike, you know, marathon shoes, you see like, um, I don't know, you see a lot of super cushion shoes. What, what was your shoe of choice for this? What was your weapon that you wore on your feet? Well, I'm glad George is in here because you probably would judge. No, I'm joking. Um, I wore the <laughs> Carbon X, the Hoka Carbon X threes that just came out and um, I absolutely love them. They were, the Carbon X twos didn't have a lot of cushion in the midsole. Um, mm -hmm. I also used to work in specialty running, so I love the tech talks, you know, you can go on for days, but the Carbon X threes were amazing. There was plenty of cushion in the midsole. Um, I had plenty of power. There were no issues with my feet, no blisters, no nothing. Like it felt so good. And I was, that was the biggest thing I was wondering. I was like, what do I race in? Do I do a Clifton, a little bit more cushion? Do I do the Carbon X? but it was just kind of firm. Do I do the rocket? It's like the hardest thing. It's just like picking out what outfit you choose, but right. I definitely recommend it. So on that note, how much training did you do in that shoe? And, and I'm asking you this for a very specific reason, because there's a lot of research that says don't constantly run in a plated shoe. Oh, um, I... So how often do you put that shoe on before race day? Considering I got them two weeks before the race, I only wore them once <laughs> to make sure they worked because they just came out. Um, I actually was um, working at Big Peach and I was trying them on. And I was like, well, maybe we'll see what it happens, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't wear any carbon plated shoes during my workouts. Um, I just you save that for race day. Save it for race day. And also just train hard, like, you know. And I thought it was interesting. Camille was wearing the Rincons. She doesn't wear carbon-plated. Yeah. So I thought that was really impressive. And I was like, are they a proto? Like, are they legit? No. But like, one thing she did say is she loves the new um, Hoka Trail carbon-plated shoe. So it will be interesting to see what those are like when they come it, out. It will be interesting to see how many you just sold by saying that on the most yeah. pleasant exhaustion. <laughs> I, know. I think uh, I think there's enough people in line for the Hoka plated trail shoe that uh, it's going to sell just fine. Um, yeah, Allison, what's next for you? I mean, do you think I know you're going to take some downtime now, but I mean, are you talking with Janice about longer, more? I mean, what's you know this this puts you on the map kind of pretty pretty seriously in the ultra running world. So, well, it's yeah. funny because that's exactly what. Um, Camille's husband and her coach Connor said to me, um, we met him Friday cause he coached, um, coaches another one of our friends. And I don't think he realized like, Oh, who's this girl? She's just another fan. I finished. And he's like, Oh, you're pretty legit. And I'm like, thanks. And I told him, he's like, he asked the same question. I'm like, thanks. Like, I guess that's a compliment. Um, and he, I was like, oh, I'm doing the Peachtree Road Race. I'm doing the 10K. He's like, what? Why? Why are you doing short distance? And then I was like, well, I'm doing Chicago. He's like, screw the marathon. You need to be doing 50, 100Ks. And it was funny. Afterward, Camille was messaging me. And she's like, what are your PRs? What are you doing next? You need to be doing this race and this race. And 100K qualifiers are then. So I'm... Yeah, I did what every, and I'm sure you appreciate this, Eric, what every trail runner does is look on Ultra Sign Up and see what I can get into. And I think I will try to get into 50, 50 mile, 50K, 50 mile or 100K um, races to try and get into qualifiers for national teams. Because cool. I think I like cool. this, this distance and in the sweet spot. So yeah. Michelle's actually the one that does that. She looks at ultra sign up every day, looking at the same couple of weekends to see if she can find a new race that just happens to pop up. Yeah. Because race directors don't put these things out early. They, they wait until, you know, a month before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Depending on them, good luck and getting in. Well, tell us where we can follow you, Allison. Strava with Allison Mercer, but it's pretty lame. I do a lot of slow runs. I take my easy days easy. It's funny, the non-people that go to me go, I didn't realize you were fast. Like, you're always running pretty slow on Strava. I'm like, cool. Like, that's 
it's just such a joke to me whenever people say that because it's like I don't know what to say about it and it's like oh I you know it's just it's one of those backhanded compliments that you're like cool like I appreciate it but I think that's the biggest thing people learn is they race on Strava and I'm like you don't need to do that yep race on race day but <laughs> I am on Instagram at one woman dance party I can't believe it wasn't taken thanks for coming on we are super glad that you got to reach out Thanks again for listening yeah. to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at pleasant podcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash performance and on Instagram, ITL Coaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter at official SlayRx and Instagram here for SlayRx, the number four SlayRx. Discount code Pleasant22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.